Well, for some reason, I'm feeling overly anxious. I don't know why. So I'm going to pray to start off with. Let me pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I cast my anxieties upon you, O oh Lord, knowing that you are good and faithful, that the preaching of your word and how you convict us is not done by through me, but your power that has the power to save and your spirit that convicts the hearts of those who hear this truth. And say, Lord, won't you work powerfully? May you be glorified. May all the people who hear these words being preached look at you and be amazed by you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For the past two weeks, uh, we've been going through a series called Living Out Our Mission. Um, And for those who are new to our church, or for those who have been coming to our church regularly, here's our mission statement to remind you, okay? We seek to build a community of believers who are passionate about knowing, applying, and proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in Parramatta. And for the past two weeks, we've been going through this mission statement. Two weeks ago, Pastor Riley spoke on what it means to know the gospel. Last week, our brother Joel spoke on applying the gospel. But today, we're going to come towards the front of our mission statement, our mission statement that says, we seek to build, to build the church selflessly. And the way we do this is through our service to one another. And I'm so grateful to the Lord as we think about our service today. There were so many elements of how the Spirit spoke through our songs and our prayers and the impression that in the end, building the church comes from Christ. He's the one that does the work. To help us understand what that actually looks like, we're going to explore several passages from the Bible But eventually, we're going to fall in the passage of Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. Hopefully, that uh, verse is going to bring it all home for us today. So why don't we open our books to Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. If you don't have a Bible, you can put your hand up. We can grab you one. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Today I've titled my sermon, Building the Church Selflessly. Building the Church Selflessly. And as I start this sermon, I want to share with you some real life stories. And I've changed the names for confidentiality, but these are real stories that I want to share with you. Three in particular. There's a guy named Raymond. He's what we call chief steward, right? That's what he does, right? And I wish, you know, he comes into church and the first feeling that he has is, oh man, I wish I could just come and be served. You know, I wish I could just come and do nothing and be served. But he's on chief steward. 
He's on the roster, and he's on setup, does setup, sorts the chairs. He sits at the back normally because he's looking out for what's happening in the service. He doesn't get much time to actually mingle with other people much throughout the day. And then, towards the end of the church, he needs to pack down, close up. That's his responsibility. He's, from, he's at church from the beginning till the very end. And you know what? He works hard, hard, and hard for the Lord. And as he locks up, he says, oh, all done, all done. All of a sudden, he feels this burden that was on his shoulder lifted off. He feels free, you know, done his duty now, and the rest of the day is his. Have you experienced something similar? Sometimes after service, you feel this burden lifted off free to do your thing for the day. Ryan, here's another one. Ryan, six months ago, Ryan joined the band. Uh, he's been on the roster every week pretty much since joining. He remembers, you know, the excitement of when he first joined the band. It was exciting playing the bass for the church. Now he wonders why he needs to be serving every week pretty much. You know, can't we not have the bass? Is it really all about the bass? I'm glad I added that joke in. You know, you're reminded of other members of the congregation, and you wonder, why, why aren't they stepping up? You know, why aren't they? You know, have you ever experienced that type of heart? You start to grumble in your service. The last one, there's a lady, her name's Rosanna. She's a member of the church. She's been volunteering as a youth ministry, ministry leader. You know, they've been going on retreat. Uh, they're going to be going on retreat in a couple of days. And the youth minister pastor says, actually, we haven't uh, completed the booklets yet for, for this camp, and it's in two days. And so his minister asks, do you mind if you could just after service come and help make the booklets? It's only going to take an hour. Um, I'm going to try and get a couple more people, and so it should be done quickly. So she goes after service, heads to the church offices, realizes that she's the only one. The pastor comes in and says, sorry, I couldn't find anyone to help. You're on your own. I need to go to a meeting. Do you think you could do it? She says yes, right? After three hours, finishes making the booklet. But let me tell you this, she is joyful. She is immensely joyful that she had served. After three hours, she calls the pastor and says, it's all done. They hang up. On her way home, she realizes, wait a minute. In her heart, she's thinking, no appreciation, no thank you, no recognition for the hard work that I've done. I wonder, have you experienced something similar in your serving, wanting appreciation, recognition to impress others? Can you relate to any of these? They're true stories. And to be transparent with you, actually, they're all stories of me. I just changed the names, but if you had figured it out, they all started with the letter R, you know, Ryan, Raymond, Rosanna. I was even a female for a slight moment. That was wrong. But here we go. But some of these stories, right, they're stories of personal struggles for me in building the church selflessly. Even to this point, and at times, it can seem like building the church selflessly seems like a chore. Sometimes we feel obligated that we have to do it. It's a duty and sometimes even resentment. 
do you feel the same? Now, to be fair, 99% of the times as I speak to you, I know you do this with complete joy. And for me as well, I have great joy in serving the church and the Lord. I do. You know, and as I was meditating on these passages and starting what, uh, studying what it means to build the church selflessly in our service, I was actually filled with so much joy. You know, we're a church that builds each other up incredibly. And I thank the Lord for each and every one of you. Your service is amazing. The way we build, encourage one another. Your service is servant-hearted, and it filled me really with so much joy. And so I was contemplating, what do I say to a congregation who is really good at serving? Well, I think all the more this sermon is relevant for us. Because we are a high-capacity serving church, we need this sermon. It's a bit like a sportsman, right? a professional athlete, even though they are amazing at what they do, they all the more need coaching, right? Because they can easily fall into bad habits. They can easily think that they are good enough. They can easily think that they can do it on their own. And so as I preach to A-plus congregation members, can I request that you lean in at this time in humility, asking that the Spirit convicts you today as you listen to His words. Not mine, but His His words that come from the Bible. Three points I've got today. Number one, the wrong perspective of building the church selflessly. Number two, the service of Jesus. And number three, the right perspective of building the church selflessly. And before I start, I want to give credit to this book that I've been reading. It's called Serving Without Sinking by John Heinle. If you haven't read it, I want to recommend you reading that because it really helps us understand the heart motive behind serving. So let's transition to our first point, the wrong perspective of building the church selflessly. Now, last week, some of you know, actually, I attended a swimming freestyle stroke correction clinic. That was long. But basically what it is, is they have a look at my freestyle swimming and they tell me what I need to do to get better. Right? I attended this last week. And the first thing they actually told me wasn't, you need to do this, 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 and this to improve. It was more, let me tell you what you're doing wrong first. Because if I tell you what you're doing wrong, then you can start adjusting to what you're doing, what you should be doing. And so right now, as I go into this uh, first section, I want to talk about particularly four wrong perspectives, wrong heart motives we might have as we build the church selflessly. Why is it sometimes such a hard slog? Here's the first one. We do this because in the eyes of God, we want to be good enough. Sometimes we have this wrong perspective that God in heaven is looking down from above, checking to see whether our service to him gets the tick of approval or cross. And these aren't just something that I made up. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10 to 14, we see an example of this displayed. I'm going to read Luke chapter 18, verse 10 to 14. It says this, Jesus is talking in a parable. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself 
prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Can you see the Pharisee exalting himself? He's looking up and praying, and he's saying, look at my service. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unjust. You know, look at me. I pray twice. I, I fast and I give everything that I have. This is my service, God. Approval. That is what he's wanting. But Jesus says the right heart motive is like the tax collector. He's the one that went home justified. In a similar way, in our serving, in the way we build our church and our community, we sometimes intentionally or unintentionally, we're like the Pharisee. I'm going to serve in all these ministries, serve, serve in different ministries so that hopefully in the eyes of God, I might be good enough. But you see the problem with this? The problem is, is, is that when we serve, 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 and serve and hoping to reach the standard of God, we realize we can't reach it. And so we serve, serve, serve even more, and we still can't reach it. And we serve, serve, serve again, and we still can't reach it because God's standard is so high. And so what happens to our service? What happens to building one another in love? We fall in despair and we give up. And in our service, we need to pause and think about this. Am I in any way like the Pharisee? Sometimes we have this wrong perspective that we want to be good enough. Here's the second one. Sometimes we do this, we serve and we build each other up in service, hoping that something we might receive something in return from God. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. I'm not going to read it all, but I want to summarize the story for you. It's a story that we're all familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son. The story of a young man who asks his father for his share of the inheritance. He gets it. He goes off to a far country, spends it all, and he eventually runs out of money. He finds himself in dire strait, and so what does he do? Ultimately, he runs back to his father. And what does his father do? Arms open wide joyful, receives him, throws him a massive party, kills the most fattened calf for him. But the point I want to make is not about those two. It's about actually the older brother. The older brother isn't happy. <laughs> Why? He's been serving faithfully all this time, serving and serving and serving his family, and now he's wondering, where's my return? My brother got his return. Where's my return? It's easy to think that we will receive greater blessing if we do the right thing. But the problem with that is when we serve, serve, and serve, hoping for something in return, and our life goes downhill, then we wonder, wait, God, I've been serving all this time. 
I've quit my job on Sunday just to be here to serve you. Where's my finances? Where's my blessing? Where's my job? Where's the relationship that I've always wanted? Where's the health that I've always wanted? We start to ask those kind of questions. Sometimes we have this wrong perspective that when we serve, we want something in return. Here's the third one. We serve to impress and receive recognition from others. Sometimes that's our heart. Matthew 6, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4 is the story of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. You know what they do? They pray out loud. They've got their hands up in the air so that people might see. They've got offerings that they bring in bags that they pour into the basket and you can hear every coin dropping on the, on the basket. They want people to see. They want appreciation. They want the light on them. I don't think our church is like that. But let me tell you a struggle that's very similar to this, and maybe for us as well. Sometimes externally, we're humble, but deep within our hearts as we do the work of Christ, we want others to see our appreciation. We want people to recognize deep down inside what we do. You see, the problem with wanting to impress others also is we start to compete with others. And when they serve more, it makes us miserable. And so it makes us want, want to serve more and more and more and more. And when we still don't receive the, uh, the, the recognition, we're driven to despair and we just want to give up in our service. You know, it's good to ask the question, would I do this thing if I knew that no one other than me and God would notice? Some Sometimes we have a wrong perspective, and that's to impress others. Here's the last one. We serve because Jesus needs our service. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, which is up on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it. It says this. It's the story of Martha and Mary. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The story of Martha, serving, making preparations, doing this and doing that, serving and serving and serving. Being reminded that Jesus doesn't need that. And sometimes we can be like this. A lot of our Christian service is serving and serving and serving but we're missing out, like Martha, the great portion of Jesus. You know, sometimes we serve so hard and we ask, or someone asks you, hey, by the way, how's your time with the Lord in reading the, reading the Word? And you realize, I don't really do that. And then you serve and serve and serve and serve, and someone asks you, hey, how's your time with prayer? And you realize you don't do much of that because you're at times busy serving and serving and serving. Sometimes we have this wrong perspective. 
You know, when our serving is any one of these or a mixture of these things, problems in serving and building the church will arise. We start to grumble. We get annoyed with others. We get disappointed with others. We get disappointed in ourselves. And then we give up. You know, I don't want to serve and build the church this way anymore. And you know what? To be honest, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, I've had these wrong perspectives before. But friends, can I encourage you at this time? Can I encourage you at this time? God, in his abundant grace, his loving mercy on us and his kindness to each and every one of you, he wants us to stop to stop looking at our flawed service, to stop looking at those wrong perspectives of serving. He wants us to stop thinking that we're good enough, that we need to be good enough. He wants us to stop thinking that we need to get something in return. He wants us to stop having the heart to impress others in our service, and he wants us to stop thinking that Jesus needs me in my service. He wants us to stop looking at our flawed service but instead, he wants us to look at someone else's flawless service. The flawless service of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants you to do. In your serving, he's saying, look at the good portion in Jesus. Which leads me to my second point, the service of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the appropriate time for us to come to the main passage for today. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. I'm going to reread that. It says this, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, in this day and age, we live in a society where we expect service, right? And what I mean by that is, for example, if we purchase a product, you know, I demand. I have the right that this product services my needs. I bought it. I paid for it. I purchased it with a price. I have an expectation that it meets my service needs. Last week, I had a very exciting week last week. Last week, I um, purchased a, a whippersnipper. Come, Come on. Right. Finally, after four years of living in my house, I realized I can't keep hassling Riley for years. Yes. I insured. But when I bought it, I insured I received my service. I saw it tested in front of me. I saw it that it functioned properly. They even gave me an extended warranty for it, right? That's the service. I was demanding a service. And when I got home, I tried it and it was beautiful. It was great. I purchased something. I wanted a service in return. Our natural disposition is that we want service. Someone like the rulers and authorities of today's, today's passage, right? They have a disposition, it says, to lord it over the people. They exercise their authority over them. Their disposition is, I demand a service. You know? I am above you. Serve me. But here in today's passage, we see a stark contrast to what service looks like according to what Jesus teaches us today. 
Jesus Christ in very nature God. He's God. He, Jesus, He deserves all glory. He deserves all honor. He deserves all worship and praise. And He deserves all our service to Him. Yet His teaching shows us today that He did not grasp hold of what truly He deserves. Instead, what did He do? He came into this world in human form, made Himself nothing born as a man. And in verse 45 of today's passage, it says, the Son of Man, God the Son, He came to this earth. And what does it say? Not to be served, but to serve. Did you get that? He came not to be served, but to serve. Isn't isn't that amazing? Because how often... How often do we focus our Sundays, in fact, our everyday life, on the how and the must of of serving Jesus and building his church? You know, we always think about, let's do this and that. How can we be serving the church? How can we be serving Jesus this, this way and that way? Serve, 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 and serve. But Jesus says, stop. I didn't come here so that you would serve me. I came here so that I would serve you. This, this is crucial. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we don't need to serve Jesus anymore. I'm definitely not saying that. But what I do want to say is that our perspective in serving and building the church starts, starts with knowing, understanding experiencing, proclaiming, applying the glorious gospel of Jesus. It starts first by looking at His service, not our service to Him. Isn't that amazing? This is how John Heinle puts it in his book. No, says Jesus. No, says Jesus, the Son of Man. I did not come to be served. He chose the fisherman Peter to be his follower, but it wasn't because he needed Peter's fish. He chose, Ma- he chose Matthew the tax collector, but not because he wanted his accounts done. When a rich young man wanted to follow him, Jesus didn't flatter him in order to get funding for his mission. He let the man walk away. When the respected and influential religious leader, teacher Nicodemus came to see him, Jesus didn't try to convince him to endorse his approach to ministry. Jesus didn't come for any of them to serve him. And he didn't come to you for you to serve him. Jesus says, follow me to us today. Just as he did to Peter and Matthew when he walked on earth. But he's not saying follow me so that you could serve me. After all, I'm the eternal, all-powerful son of man. Now let me tell you what to do. He's saying something almost impossible to believe. Jesus is saying, Follow me and I will serve you. Jesus, he shows us what service he wants us to look at before we even think of our service in the church. Mark chapter 10 verse 45b, what does it say? He gave his life as a ransom for many. His service, this is what it looks like. He purchased, he 
paid with his life, his body, his blood, which he crucified on the cross for people like you and people like me because we needed the rescuing. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. This is how Jesus serves us, his body, his sheep. Not like the Pharisees who lorded over the people, but rather he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Sometimes in our busyness of life, in our busyness of serving, of wanting to build the church, we lose sight of this glorious truth, the depth of the service that is displayed for us through Jesus. And so friends, if I could say this, forget about your service for now. For now. First, first, look at his service. He gave his life for you so that you might be set free to find joy in knowing him. We gather here today, this morning, not primarily to serve and build the church. We come to church this morning to honor him. We come to church this morning so that we could look at the cross and marvel at that saving work. And as we approach the throne of grace, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He convicts our heart with a fresh revelation of Christ's death, a fresh affection for God and a new or renewed desire and zeal to glorify God. And as we look at His service, church, it produces this gratitude in our hearts, doesn't it? It should. And His service produces an immense joy in our souls, which evidently results in fuel for all the believers to come to Him and then serve Him. Because we firstly look at His service. Before even thinking about serving and how we build or how we could build the church selflessly, we must first look at His service, His selfless service. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 to 15, it says this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died and he died for all, that those who live, those who live, which is you, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. As we look at the cross church, we no longer live for ourselves. As we look at the cross, we stop thinking that we need to be good enough. As we look at the cross first, we stop thinking that we need to get receive something in return. As we look at the cross, we stop needing to impress others. As we look at the cross, we stop thinking that Jesus needs me in our service. And instead, as we look at the cross, it produces a change in our heart. It produces a right perspective of serving, a right perspective of what it means to build the church selflessly, which is my point three, the right perspective of building the church selflessly. In Mark chapter 10, if we go back to that, verse 43 to 45, it says this, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be servants, 
and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. The key point, the key thing I want to address in these two verses is that our service, the central focus must not be on us. It's not on me. We're not to lord it over others. Jesus says that this shall not be so among you, but rather, what does he say? To be great, we need to be servants. To be first in the eyes of God, we need to be slaves. And as we look to the cross, our disposition is one that is not centered on me. And if it's not centered on me, then what should it be centered on? Here's the first thing that it needs to be centered on. It needs to be God-centered. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. As we serve in church, at home, in our workplaces, we need to center our service on God. We are serving Him. And centering our service on God, knowing that what he, not what we do glorifies him. And as we glorify him, it purifies our motives for service. You know, Jesus, before his death on the cross, he was praying at Gethsemane. And you know what he cried out? He cried out, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. He's glorifying God in his service. Our service must be one, first and foremost, God-centered. Second, the right perspective in serving as we build the church is that our service is empowered by the Spirit of God. Yes, we labor in our service, don't we? We labor, but we labor by the power of God who provides the strength for us. We have complete dependence on the Spirit to motivate us. We have complete dependence on the Spirit to strengthen and enable us to be effective in our service so that we might give glory to Him. But not only that, in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul calls us. What does he tell us to do? He calls us people, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit because only the Spirit can produce what? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And if we walk with the Spirit, the Spirit gives us that fruit of the Spirit. And so when we build and serve one another, although our disposition may not be love, the Spirit convicts our heart and our service becomes from the heart of love, from the heart of joy. We can be patient with one another in our service. We can be kind and good and we look at His faithfulness. We can be gentle and self-controlled in our service. The right perspective is as we look at the cross first, we hold on to the power of the Spirit. The third right perspective of serving as we look at the cross is that it needs to be other-centered. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 6 says this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
We have all received a spiritual gift, and that is empowered by God. These gifts are gifts given to you so that we might glorify Him, but second, so that we might serve one another with them. You know, have you ever considered that what sometimes feels like chores for us, actually, God gave them to you so that it might serve and bless others. And as we bless others, it produces unity. It produces unity within the church community. And it brings unity because we start to depend on one another. We have differing gifts, differing gifts. I need to depend on you, and you need to depend on me. You know, can you imagine if we were all like Pastor Riley, right? Who's going to bring the Asian food at lunchtime, right? Who's going to get the administrative tasks done? But can you even imagine if you were all like me? Because if that was the case, we would shut down the church next week, right? right? We have different gifts. God has given us different gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 to 18 says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. As He chose. This is the context of the church body, friends. So next time you use your gifts to serve another person, perhaps consider this. Consider this, that God, you know what? He could have just given that person more time. God could have just given that person money. God could have given that person supernatural strength. God could have just healed them. But you know what God did? He chose to use you. That's what he did. He chose to use you. God arranged the members as he chose so that we might be able to bless one another in our service and give glory to God. The right perspective is one that uses the gifts to serve one another. Here's the last thing I want to say for this. The right perspective of serving as we look at the cross first, is that we are joyful and full of gladness. You know, having the right attitude is crucial. You know, we tell that to our kids all the time. You need to have a right attitude here. But let's be honest, sometimes we do complain, don't we? You know, God, why didn't you give me the gift that you gave our brother Henry, who's so good at singing and playing the guitar? If I could, ser- if I could have that gift, I would so joyfully serve, you know? Well, you know, how come I don't have the gift of prophetic impression? If I had that gift, man, I would serve so joyfully. You know, sometimes we complain that way and we start to compare our gifts. But let me say this, let me say this, okay? Our joy and our gladness as we build the church selflessly, it doesn't come based on the type of gift that you have. It is not based on the type of service that we do to build one another. We find joy and we find gladness in whatever thing that we do 
because it draws us closer to Him. He's our greatest treasure. You know, probably if we had the gift that we wanted or had the gifts that were naturally easy or fun for us to do, we probably wouldn't depend on Christ, right? We wouldn't lean on Him. We wouldn't go to Him for help. If someone asked me to serve in the Greek islands, I would be like, yes, I will go. And I would not be depending on Christ that much. But God has given us a gift. Spiritual gifts. He's given us opportunities to serve so that it would lead us to Him, so that it would draw us closer to Christ. The gift that you have, God has given it to you not to make your life miserable, but so that you might draw closer to Him. Psalm 16 verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It leads us to him. That's where we find our joy and our gladness as we serve. To close off, Sovereign Grace, you're brilliant in the way you serve and build the church selflessly. I exhort you. I want to encourage you. Keep going. Keep going. You know, I started this sermon pointing out my flaws, didn't I? But I want to point this out. There are many of us sitting here right now, tirelessly praying for the members of our church and who use their spiritual giftings that the, that the Lord has given them to build the church selflessly. Thank you. Thank you in the way you build the church selflessly. There are many of us who have been on the roster on kids or morning tea or coffee or steward at times consecutive weeks and you do this so joyfully. Thank you in the way you build the church selflessly. There are many of us here who put their hands up when people are moving to help, who make food for families with newborns or those who are struggling. There are many of us who, you don't even know this, but provide financially behind the scenes to these individual people and for the church that it might serve them, that it might honour God. Thank you for the way you build the church selflessly. There are many of you who serve the church in events, finances, Elvanto, rostering, missions and outreach, Canva designs. Thank you in the way you serve and build the church selflessly. And there are many of you who know the people that are struggling in the church physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually in the church, and you reach out to them so that you might bless them and serve them and walk alongside them in this journey. Thank you for building the church selflessly. And I could keep going. But to close, Sovereign Grace Church Paramount, build the church selflessly, but remembering that as you do, always look at the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Look at his service first. Look at the cross first. Become imitators of Christ. He is all we have. He is all we need as we serve one another and build one another for the glory of his name. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you came not to be served, but to serve. And we thank you for the great example that you have shown us through the death of your son Jesus on the cross. Father, how can we thank you enough? 
And Father, may we be imitators of Christ in the way we serve and build the church up. Lord, help us, like you, not to be served, but to serve, but first looking at the beauty of the cross each and every day. May we never forget that. In Jesus' name.